If you're here, then obviously you made it to 2024. And I believe that 2024 could be a year that could make a difference in our lives if we won't allow it to do so. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God tells us that we are to be good stewards, and that means to be good stewards of everything that he has blessed us with. When we look at the new year, one of those things that happen is a lot of people make resolutions. Maybe you've made some. I don't know. Maybe you haven't. But the fact of the matter is that there's about 60% of Americans that make resolutions at the beginning of the year. But only about 8% of those are successful in achieving them by the end of the year. I would suspect that's the reason why many people stop making resolutions. They figure, what's the use? But when the new year comes and rolls around, it's easy to look at it as a time to make changes and to put the past behind us and improve our lives. And so people make resolutions like, I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm going to find another job. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to read more. I'm going to save more and spend less. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to exercise more often. I'm going to diet and eat healthier. That's what people resolve to do. The fact of the matter is that after one week, almost 25% of the resolution makers have failed and bailed out on their New Year's resolution. That means that if you made a New Year's resolution, since this is a week into it, you probably already bailed out on it if you're in that 25%. After a month, 50% give up. And not long after that, only 20% still are hanging in there. And by year's end, only 8% actually keep their resolution. <clears throat> but listen, even though people fail to keep them, most people still want to make them. Why? Because there's something in us that looks forward to a new beginning. There's something in us that desires change. There's something deep within us that pushes us to be better. You see, in most of our lives, there's this nagging feeling or sense that things are not as they should be or could be. And we cannot afford to wait another year. Now is the time. Why? Because time's running out. In James chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? <clears throat> it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Whatever it is that you would like to do with your life, today is the day that you need to start. And you need to move forward, and you need to keep that commitment, and you need to make the changes that need to be made and I believe that all of us would agree that life is precious and that it is very brief as we live it here on this earth. 
And we don't know when our time on this earth is going to end. It could be next week. It could be next year. It could be decades from now. But the reality is it's going to end. And only God knows when that time will take place. And so we don't want to waste a lot of time focusing on things uh, in the scope of eternity that don't really matter. Things like being consumed with what people think about you. Getting angry with someone and stewing over it for years. Hanging on to that grudge. Or just living in a state of constant anxiety about something that's taking place in your life. Or letting fear control and limit you. Or walking through life being blinded by cynicism and negativism. Where you're unable to see all the good things that God has blessed you with. And see the beauty that He's created around us. Again, what is, whatever it is that we're going to do in this life, we need to get moving because time is running out. The question is, how many of you would like 2024 to be different, to be better? be better than 2023. Now, I would imagine you would want your year to be even better, even if 2023 was the best year in your life. I would imagine you would still like to have an even better year. Maybe for some reason 2023 wasn't so good. Maybe it was a year of challenges, changes, crises that took place in your life. But the good news is, last year's behind us. It's over. And so this morning is the first Sunday of 2024. And I want to talk about how we can make this new year different. How we can make it better. How we can make it bolder. And how we can make it brighter. First thing is, to make a difference, we need to clarify what it is that we want we must decide in our lives what's most important in this life and what isn't important. God has given each of us the freedom to choose. <clears throat> it's part of being made in the image of God. All the way back in the beginning, Adam and Eve were placed in a garden. They had a choice. We were made, they were made in the image of God. So are we. And they, God made them with a choice. That they could listen and obey or they could reject what he said and give in to the temptation that the serpent, serpent placed before them. And they gave in to that temptation and they sinned. In Job chapter 34 verses 3 and 4, one of Job's friends says, For the ear trieth words as the mouth tasteth meat. Let us choose to, our, uh, to us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. The English Standard Version makes it a little plainer when it says, The ears test words and a palate tastes food. Let us choose what is right and let us know among ourselves what is good. So I want to encourage you today to make a choice. That means that you have to clarify what you really want, what's really important in your life. And that means, or that means that when we do that, that that will become the foundation for our decisions. It's sort of like on a computer, you have that internal operational system, 
and it holds everything together and makes everything work. That's what we have. When we realize what's important and those become our core values, those help us in all the decisions that we're faced with, all the challenges that we're faced with, all the good things that we are faced with. And we need to understand that we can't choose what's important until we clarify where we're specific about what's important. If we don't clarify what's important in 2024, we're going to be pushed and tossed and pressured in this life and we'll make the wrong decisions because we haven't determined what's really important. And then when the year comes to an end, it'll be like many of the other years. We didn't accomplish much. We didn't do what we could have done because we gave in. A few years ago, Gallup did a survey <clears throat> and discovered the number one stress factor among people today. And I was surprised when I looked at that and that it wasn't that we don't have enough time and it wasn't that we don't have enough money. And it wasn't even the fact of relational problems that people have. Those weren't the number one stresses. The number one stress Number one stress was incongruent, contrasting values. You say, what does that mean? Now, you know, as smart and educated as I am, that's not a word that I've used in a sentence in probably my entire life. And so I had to look that up to make sure that I knew what he was talking about. But here's what it means. It means that we say we believe one thing, but we act very differently. And that causes stress. And you might be, be able to imagine that even in your own life where you know what's right, but you do the wrong thing and you see the stress that it causes you, the, the, the guilt, the, the, the pain, the agony, the shame. For example, we say family is important to us, but we put work and everything else in front of family. Do we give our marriages and family the time and attention that they need we say that health is important to us but do we watch our weight do we watch what we eat do we exercise do we practice good health habits we say that materialism is bad but what do we do with our money do we spend it so that we can have more stuff we say that God is first in my life but do we take the time to know him do we consistently read the Bible, His Word, and talk to Him in prayer? We say that the church is important. It's really important to me. But do we really give the church, this congregation, the first fruits of our time, our talent, our energy, our financial resources? Yes, many of us are like that. And when what we say we believe does not match how we live, it causes stress. And not only that, but it can cause us to be on that road that's not going to lead us to where we want to go. Remember, direction, not intention, determines our destination. 
I can get out here on Michigan Avenue and I'm headed to Saline. I want to go to Saline, but if I get on Michigan Avenue and I go east, I'm not ever going to get to Saline. Now, I may believe that. I may have good intentions of getting to Saline, but if I'm going the wrong way, I'm not going to get there. We have a tendency to choose a path that we know doesn't lead to the direction that we want to go. We've come to believe the notion that as long as there's good intentions, as long as I'm trying as hard as I can, as long as my heart's in the right place, it doesn't really matter which path I take. And that is oh so wrong. Many believe that However, they will end up in a good place, no matter what they've done, because it's intentions that matter. But that's not true. It's really the direction that we're going. And so when we make, uh, when we define our, what, what's important to us, when we make our goals, what are they there for? Is it just to have a good intention? No, we need to accomplish because good intentions aren't going to do it. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25, it says, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If you want 2024 to be different, you need to clarify what is, what is ultimately important in your life. What is of ultimate importance becomes your core. Anyone who works out understands what core muscles are. That they help the body to be strong. It enhances our balance and our stability. It, a strong, flexible core supports everything that we do. If you're sweeping the floor, you're using your core muscles. If, you're, if you squat down, you're using core muscles to stand up and, and to get down. If you're sitting and moving and doing things, the core muscles are important. Why? Because it affects our stability, our balance. And so we want to have a strong core. Well, the same is true in our spiritual sense. We need to have a core, a spiritual core. And our values are like the core muscles of an athlete. A weak spiritual core, a core is going to impair us. It's not going to help us to be strong in the Lord. It's going to cause us to give in, to be weak, to not have the strong faith that we should have. A strong spiritual core gives us power to, uh, to enhance our balance and stability as a Christian. And when having to deal with heavy weights in this life, it helps us to be able to deal with those things, to pick them up and to work at it. And sometimes the burdens that we face in this life, the challenges, the difficulties, the crisis, all of those come upon us and that core is what will help us to get through it. Here's how it works. First, we define our core values. What's important to us? And then second, we adjust the direction of our life so that it aligns with our core values. The result is that our stress levels will go dramatically down. And that peace that the Bible talks about, that peace that passeth all understanding, will dramatically go up. 
and we will actually arrive at the de destination that we want to go to, which is heaven. Now listen to me. When it comes to defining our values, it really comes down to two choices, two options. We're either going to get our core values from God's word or we're going to get our core values from the world. That means they either come from Christ or they come from our culture, our world. And here's the bottom line. If you want this year to be different, it's essential for us to clarify our values. And that's what I want to challenge each one of us in this room to do this morning. I'll say this now because everybody's wanting to know what this chair is over here for. I actually have this sheet of paper which has 2024 goals. It's a, I call it a goal sheet. There's going to be one in every bulletin that's passed out this morning. If you don't get a bulletin, there's going to be some at the back door. And I know that some of you go out this door so, so you don't have to keep paying attention to what the chair's for. They're right there so you can pick one up as you go out the door. That's what they're there for, or that chair's there for. But here's what the challenge is. <clears throat> I want you to get alone, alone sometime. You don't have to sit down with your husband or your wife. Get alone by yourself and take a pen and write down. I want you to put it in writing. What do I value most? What is my central core? What type of person do I want to be? And I added this one. What do you want people to say when you die about you? I got that idea when I was looking at a YouTube that asked an important question. Should you live for your resume or for your eulogy? And I thought that's a very interesting question. Because we understand how important a resume is. Because on a resume, what do you have? I went to this school. I graduated with this degree. And usually, you know, you want it to sound good and great. I worked for this great company. And I helped this company to expand and to grow. And they grew by this percentage. You put all of those good things in there. Those are resume values. And they aren't bad in, in and of themselves, but when you step back and look at that, you realize that there's something missing. There's something missing in your life. That if that's all you're living for, there's something missing in your life. Now, when I talk about the funeral, eulogy, what are eulogy values? There are the values that lead to a life that is well lived. It's the things that people really talk about when you, die, when, when you die. You go to the funeral home, you'll hear people say when they have good, good eulogy values, oh, that person was very kind. They were very loving. They were very compassionate. They were very helpful. They did what they needed to do to help people. They were wise. They had humility. Those are just a few. And Arianna Huffington, 
one of the things that I read, makes an important observation. She says, have you noticed that when you die, our eulogies celebrate our lives very differently from the way society defines success? Resume, or resume values are good when they're pursued with wisdom. And you realize what you're doing those things for. But don't create resumes, or we don't cr create resumes with eulogy values. We don't talk about them much, especially when it comes to the work context. You don't sit down at the desk when you're wanting to be hired and you talk about what you did. Because if you did, your resume would say things like, he sacrificed a promotion to spend more time with his kid at a crucial time in his life. Where they consistently put the interests of others, co-workers, above their own. Where they were a great volunteer in the community. That sounds so much better, doesn't it? Then, wow, she sat at her desk every day and never went to lunch, and she did all of her work and stayed overtime. Or, he was proud that he never made it to a Little League game to watch his kid play because he always wanted to go over those numbers one more time. Understand that no matter how much a person spends his or her life burning the candle at both ends, chasing success, and generally missing out on life, the eulogy is always about the other stuff. What they gave, how they connected, how much they meant to the lives of those that are around, the small kindnesses, the things that made them laugh, the things that they enjoyed. That's what's important. Yeah, resumes are important. The work that we do is important. But not at the price of neglecting what we should be doing. So the question is, why do we spend so much time on those resume entries? Why do we spend those that time doing that? Well... We need to ask ourselves, does my life, how I use my time, efforts, energies, actions, reflect that these are the most important things of my life? Does the direction of my life and the things I'm doing, the places that I'm headed, match my core and my intentions? I hope that you will take one of those slips of paper and take the time to write those things down. Pray about it. Review it often throughout the year. You don't have to give it back to me. I don't want you to give it back to me. I'll have my own. We all should have the goal for ourselves. And then watch what God, where what will happen with God's help. We'll see what a difference it makes in our lives when we've tried to fulfill those goals to the best of our abilities. But don't wait. Don't put it off. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4 says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. 
You see, there's a time in our life where we have to make a decision. And we need to understand that we live a lot. And in our life, we live under imperfect conditions. That things aren't always going to be like we would like for them to be. But that core value, those things that we see that are important are going to get us through those things. And help us in this life. But if you wait for the perfect conditions, it's like everything else in our lives, you won't get it done. And so listen, if you're a Christian, your ultimate goal should be to be like Christ. If we're Christians, our desire and our goal is to be like our Savior, our Master, our Lord, Jesus Christ. As was read for us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter really expected all of us as Christians to grow. And Jesus expects us to grow. So how did Jesus develop and grow? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we know, that, <coughs> we know that Jesus and his family had gone from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And we know that they were headed back home and Jesus was in the temple talking to the, the, to the doctors and, and those in charge there. And they realized that he wasn't with them and they headed back to find him. And it took them three days to find Jesus. And when they found him, what did he say? Know ye not that I must be about my father's business. But then look what it says, beginning in verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all of these sayings in her heart. In other words, they wanted him to go with them. So that's what he did. He went home with them. That's what he was supposed to do. Now, he was... 12 years old. But look what it says in verse 52, which I believe is a great example for you and me. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Here is what we learn from Jesus. Now you say, well, he was 12. I believe that passage of Scripture would apply to Jesus throughout his entire 33 years on this earth. That he continued to grow in wisdom, he continued to grow in stature, maybe not taller, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But he grew with favor with God and man. That means he grew in wisdom or increased in wisdom, and that's intellectual development. He grew in stature. That's physical development. He increased in favor with God, which is spiritual development. And he grew in favor with man. That's relational development. If we want to be well-rounded and balanced, then we need to set goals in each one of those areas of our lives. Now, maybe you've heard of SMART goals. That's where you're specific, very specific on what you're going to do. 
is something that's measurable, it's something that's achievable or obtainable, it's something that is relevant, you can actually do it, and it's time-related. And that's what I want you to do. I'm going to challenge you this week to prayerfully come up with four different goals for your life. This year can be different if you will grow like Jesus. Jesus grew in wisdom. Ask yourself, what do I want to learn this year? As a Christian, we must constantly be challenging ourselves to grow. Ask yourself what you need to learn this year. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 8 says, He that getteth wisdom loveth his soul, his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. What do you want to learn this year? What do you want to study? Maybe the plan of salvation. Maybe you know what you need to do, but you need to be able to tell someone else how to obey the gospel. So read the Bible. Study His Word. Set a goal. We need to set some kind of intellectual goal that will challenge and stimulate us throughout this year so that we're smarter at the end of the year than we were at the beginning of the year. And set some physical goals. The Bible says that Jesus increased in stature. What will I improve in my health this year, lose some weight. Now, don't put down, I'm going to lose 30 pounds and then lose the two or three pounds, gain it back and lose it again and gain it and lose it again. Go to bed earlier. Get some on some exercise plan. Walk so many steps a day. Some people, when you start to talk about that, you say, preacher, those things aren't important. And I'm sure that there's probably some that can remember what 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us. And there it tells us, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Well, yes, but bodily exercise does profit somewhat. And I want you to remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Again, God's blessed us with a body. It houses our soul. The Bible tells us here that it is the temple of God. Shouldn't we as good stewards take care of it? We have no choice but to sit up and to take notice of how important that responsibility is. We need to make the effort. Now, don't make a goal in general. I want to be in better shape. That's a, that, that's a pretty general goal. I want you to set a goal. Maybe that goal is I'm going to walk 10,000 steps every day. Well, I'm going to work out 20 minutes two or three times a day. Or I'm going to eat nothing after 8 o'clock. Or I'm only going to eat cookies and dessert on the days that end with Y. That was just to see who all was paying attention. But set some goals physical. And then set some spiritual goals. It says here that in that verse that Jesus grew in favor with God 
and that's what we need to do. Ask yourself, what can you do? What can I do to enhance my relationship with God? What one or two things would make the biggest difference in my relationship with Him? Not ten things. Not fifteen things. Just a couple of things. And it might be something that you've known for a long time that you needed to work on. Maybe there's some sin in your life that is hindering you in your service to God. And you need to take care of it. Make, it, make that one of your goals. And be specific on how you're going to take care of that. And how it's going to be manageable. And how relevant it is to your life. Maybe if you're not a Christian, you've never been baptized into Christ, maybe that could be one of your goals is to find what, what, why you need to do this and, and the urgency that is involved in obeying the gospel. And what a great way to start the year off if you're not a Christian and become one. Or maybe your spiritual goal would be, I'm going to be at church every time the doors are open. Or I'm going to make sure that I have a regular time alone with God every day in prayer and in reading and studying His Word. Maybe one of your goals could be to memorize certain passages of Scripture. Maybe you want to learn or memorize a long passage. The Sermon on the Mount is a, is a good passage, but it's long. Maybe serving in the church. Maybe they're having a goal of sharing the gospel with someone, asking God to give you one person, maybe every day or every week, that you can share the gospel with. And then, if that's your goal, be on the lookout for that person. Be on the lookout for that person. And when they present themselves, be able to answer, be ready to answer their questions. This year, set something specific. Write it down. So that this year can be different. So that you will grow like Jesus. And then fourth. <clears throat> Jesus grew in favor with, with man. This is where you need to ask yourself. What can I do in 2024. To help others. And to deepen some relationship. With them. To get closer to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe a family member that you need to get closer to. Set a goal to have a specific time for that individual family member. That you take the time to show them that they are special in your life. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your spouse. Nothing wrong with having family night. Nothing wrong with having date night. Nothing wrong with, with just uh, sitting down with the family. You turn the idiot box off, as my mother used to call it. That's the TV. Put the phones down so that you're not sitting there doing stuff, not paying attention to anyone. But make sure that you're spending quality time with someone in your family. Help someone who's in need. Whether it's in the church, whether it's in the congregation, or someone that you may know, your neighbor, or someone else in the community. Volunteer to help whenever you possibly can. Just set some relational goal so that this year can be different as you grow like Jesus. And hey, <clears throat> if you have a broken relationship, 
Make that a goal to fix it. Don't carry that grudge for the rest of your life or even for any time of your life. God said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, If it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Set goals in your life to make life better, to make your life better, to make your Christian light shine brighter, to be that salt of the earth, to help people in this life. And brethren, listen to me. 2024 can be different. If you clarify what you want, set some goals, intellectual, physical, spiritual, and relational, and grow like Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, Peter says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Jesus grew like that, and like I said, he was 12. Do you think that he continued to grow as he lived here on this earth? Peter tells us that we should grow, and God expects us to grow. This year can be different. Don't wait for it to begin. Make it start now. Now, I know that there's some people that are just anti-cooperation, but I would like to encourage all of us, each one of us, to get one of those forms and fill it out. Use it to make your life better, to be a stronger Christian. The church needs Christians. Christians that are dedicated, determined, and desirous to make a difference in this world. The world is going to be the world, but Jesus says we can go out into that world and be a light. And people need to see that light in your life and in my life. This morning, if you're not a Christian, the greatest step that you could ever take is being obedient to his gospel. Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter verses 1 through 4 tells us that that gospel is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose victorious over the grave on the third day. You believe that message? Because that is actually what proclaims and shows us that he is the Messiah. Because he died for our sins. And he died so that you could go to heaven. So that you could have the forgiveness of sin. So I want to encourage you that if you're not a Christian, think seriously about your soul. Because you're in a lost condition until you make that change. And if you are a Christian, maybe you haven't lived as you should. Maybe those goals will help you in the new year. I hope they do. There's, it's on the front and back of that sheet, things that you can do to fill out. Take that step. Maybe it'll help you to be a better Christian and be a better example. But if you need our prayers this morning, we're here to help you in any way that we can.